Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 44th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams, front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Anthony back with you guys today, previewing Carolina's second opponent this basketball season. The Brown Bears from the Ivy League will be making their way to Chapel Hill for a 9 p.m. tip against Carolina on Friday night in the Smith Center over on ACC Network. We're going to preview the game against the Bears, give you some background on the opponent, give our keys to the game and more through today's episode. Before we do any of that, we start as we do every preview edition of the pod and every regular edition of the podcast with our pod thought of the day. Last last time we did with one's more appropriate to start the season, play hard, play smart, play together. That theme continues and it applies to Roy Williams as his mentor once said, and I agree. It's tougher on your nerves to be a fan than to be a coach. That was what Dean Smith said when asked about retirement after he retired from coaching Carolina in the late 1990s. Of course, was a frequent visitor to practices and games, just like Roy Williams has been so far, and admitted that uh, being a fan is much more stressful. Um, I've done some limited coaching. I want to expand my coaching. But I can you definitely. Coached, you coached eight year olds in football, and every one of them hated you. Still That's wanna, about it. Still want to expand on my coaching. No, I, nobody wants you to expand. I on feel like coach. I was able to captivate the room. They saw me as a leader of men. Captivate and scare two very different adjectives. But, but sure, okay. You know, I can't attest from my coaching days and my playing days and now my fandom days. <sighs> being a fan is much worse. Because there's nothing it is, as it is tough. Although I will say this, there's nothing as a fan you can do to make it better. You just gotta watch. Yeah, I don't know though, man. Roy, Roy's uh, reading it, re- reading Roy's book uh, that showed that coaching was pretty hard on him as well. But I will say this: after the 2007 or 2000, yeah, 2017 or no, 2016 national championship loss, I did end up in the hospital with anxiety issues yeah you know, so i mean I, I i i'm with you i'm with you being a fan is definitely tough but uh i don't know man roy god see the thing about me that separates me from most fans 
is that I do believe deep down I have the answers to the questions, but no one asked me for my answers. So then I'm just sitting here Thank with God. all this knowledge Thank God. that's just being wasted in the universe. Someone needs to ask me, like, when we get to a point this year, what would you do to fix the Tar Heels? That it should go Hubert Davis, the the coaching staff, the players, and then Josh Marlowe, host of the Four Corners Podcast. Yeah, I don't think so. Also, isn't that the point of having a podcast is to explain what you think is wrong with the but team? But I need to solutions? get this out on a national level. Well, I think that's kind of on us for not expanding our it's on you. Our footprint more. That was that was your What the wait a second. Wait oh, a second. Hey, oh. How do you say it's well, that on was about me. to be a lap. That was about to be a lap. For what? You said what the and then you stopped. See, I've already put the fear of exercise into you from not saying cuss words. What the hell? Now we gotta take a lap. There you go. That's see see, that's the thing, man. You 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 challenge me with this. I don't care. Bring on the physical exercise as I as I hit the lever on my chair and almost fall out of my chair. Okay. Um That's one. I'm keeping count. We may do See, a, but see what this it, is see we, this is where you messed up with this. We could do like, I could now, just keep a, a running count. It could be like 700 laps we have see, to take. See now the problem is is that you are roped into this as well. The smart thing to do would have been to make the person solo take the lap. Oh, no. See, that doesn't make any sense. We're a team, though. I'm going to go through the trials and tribulations that you're going to put us through together. Because I'm not going to cuss. There's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations, though. We're going to be in We're going to be in very, very good shape. By the way, is it also on the level of the word? I feel like if... <laughs> and it has never been uttered on this podcast... If the F word was to ever come out, that may be five laps. <laughs> yeah. 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 That might be up there. That might be up there. But w- w- wait a second. How are you saying that it's my fault that we are not more national? This is, hey, this is a team project here, Honcho. Um, that's your role. No. That's most definitely not my role. That. That's a shared role That's what you that you bring. have not participated in any form or fashion. That's what you bring that's what you bring to the pod. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to show more effort. Your effort is lacking. I'm gonna I, I'm I'm going to uh, rotate a different member of the bench in. We'll get Zach Hubbard on. Okay. <laughs> oh. Let's talk about Carolina's next opponent. Let's the- do it. By the way, it is the Brown. Bears, not the Brown Bears, and we're not telling you the name of the actual team. It is the Brown. Let me be honest with you, buddy. University Bears. I don't think anyone was getting confused when we said the Brown Bears. See, you're not. You have to put the pause in Why? there for the people, so that they know it is the Brown. They they know there's Bears. not a, there's not a school called Brown Bears. No, that could be a mascot though. No, they're just called the Bears. There's okay. not a, there's not a, you got, you got the bears, just, hey, then you got the golden bears. I'm just clearing it up. And that's because California's weird. I'm just clearing it up for the people at home. Also, there aren't, isn't Maine the black bears? Look, they're in the Ivy League. They wouldn't have such a difficult mascot. That is true. Yeah. Pretty simplistic they, out there. They thought that stuff out when they were creating their mascot. So, Brown visiting Chapel Hill, they will bring with them. A 1-0 record as they defeated 
a school from the lower division two or three rankings. <laughs> not even known. It's or not it's even known. It was not uh, made known what level of a uh, division one they are, what division of the NCAA they compete in. Salve Regina, 89 to 59 to begin their season. Of course, Brown did not play last year. So, like, as where Loyola only played Patriot League games last year, Brown didn't play at all. The Ivy League, uh, in response due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they did not compete in any athletics during the winter of last season. So they were able to kick off their season the other night with a 30-point win. Over a Division three school, which is located in Newport, Rhode Island. They mm. have 26,000 students. We may have more people currently in the building at the building that we work in. Mm-hmm. Very very small school, I will say that. So, Brown coming in, 1-0 record. Mentioned they played in the Ivy League. They were picked to finish fifth in the Ivy League for context. There's only eight teams in the Ivy. So, they're on like the the bottom of the stem of Ivy that the league is on. They're not at the very that top. That was so that, lame. That was good. I, I really thought that, that was, was a, bad. That was a great one. Um, Their leading scorer from the other night. David Mitchell, who scored 13 points. Um, but this is a very— What an Ivy League name, by the yeah. way, David Mitchell. This is a very interesting team. They do return um, David Mitchell. Oh, there's a better Ivy League name for you. Beautiful. Dan Friday. Oh, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. The J- day of the week last names, phenomenal. Jalen Ganey, Perry Cohen, and then I'm going to botch your— I'm a but I'm a butcher botcher. You're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be so bad that it's going to be a new word called botcher. Um, they, they also return, um, Tamanong Cho also to their roster. So look, they're bringing mm. back some guys from their from their 2019, 2020 team. They did they did lose from that team Brandon Anderson, Zach Hunsaker, and Joshua Howard and Matt DeWolf, but. Look, Brown is not – they're not afraid to dip into the transfer portal as well. They bring over from Loyola, Chicago, Paxson Wojcik, Noah Marine from a Division three program that was not named, uh, Nana Owuso-Anane, Tyler Brown, a JUCO transfer, Malachi Nador, uh, Kino Lilly, Zachary Taylor, and Prince Kashinda. So all of those guys are transfers? Yeah, they brought in – Oh, my gosh. They brought in a, a, a boatload of transfers to rebuild – or, or, or to build this team under Mike Martin, who was entering his 10th season at Brown. Nice. They almost uh, had as many transfers as Kansas football had this year. So, you know, some stability with the coaching staff. As you can expect, with a mid-major program, they do not have size. They, uh, they Their tallest player on the roster is 6'8". And the one thing that they want to do is they want to shoot the three. They shot 35 three-pointers in their season opening win the other night. Hmm. On the flip side, though, they only made 10 of them. That rounds out to 29% from behind the foul line. The thing that Brown does more, that the thing that they want to do more than anything else is they're one of the better defensive teams in the, in, in the Ivy League. They value, despite the, despite the, the size disparity that they're going to have in this game, they, they value rebounding the ball, especially offensive rebounds. They had 17 of those the other night. So they're, they're going to want to make the game ugly. Their best offense is going to be their second-chance offense. 
that leads to three-pointers. They want to rebound the ball. Their only way of competing is playing really good defense at a high level. So, Carolina, does Carolina have their work cut out for them? No. 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 But I I think the thing about this, and before we get into our keys to the game, is a lot like with Elizabeth City State, they showed a a lot of different defensive looks. The other night against Loyola, you saw some zone from Loyola. You saw some man-to-man from Loyola. Brown's going to be committed on the defensive end. That's the only way they know they can compete and make this game close entering the second half. Carolina is benefiting from seeing multiple different defenses to start the season. Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing with them is that you just you don't know a whole lot about their roster because even the guy, I mean, you've got guys that are returning, but they haven't played in... I mean, they played one game against a Division three team in two years. So you don't you don't really know what those guys look like. You can't really go off of the last time that you saw them in 2019. So you have to go off a game against a Division three opponent that they should that they should easily beat. Um, and then you're talking about a bunch of transfers. How do those guys mesh together? So that's the tricky part about this team. That being said, this is one of the easiest games that Carolina has on the schedule. Yes. I think that this is an easier game than even the one they played in the opener. So Is this game easier than Elizabeth City State? I think you make an argument. I mean, it's I I mean the thi- well, see the thing is Elizabeth City State didn't play last year either. So that there's going to be similar in that nature. Now the thing is is again, can this team knock down threes? That's going to be the ultimate. I mean, they took 35 threes against a team that they, I mean, we don't really, shockingly, we don't know a whole lot about Salve Regina. Oh, man. I'm locked in. Yeah, you've got a full breakdown. But, um, so that's a team that maybe they were, they even have more size then. They may have been able to take advantage of them inside. You said they had 17 offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. In this game, they won't be able to do that. So you wonder if that number of threes is going to skyrocket. Is this a team that's going to try to make this a game of who can knock down the most shots from the outside? Now, I don't know if they're going to make them at a high rate. If they don't, you'll be perfectly fine. That's the Those are the things to me that concern me about this game for Carolina. Overall, I don't really think there should be much of a concern in this game. This is one of those games where you want to come out and flex a little bit of muscle. You want to be able to get some of your deeper depth guys in earlier. You want more playing time for Justin McCoy, for Anthony Harris, for Dontrez Styles, DeMarco Dunn. Those, Dewey Ferris. You want those guys in the game mm. earlier than they were the other night. You want to see... Caleb Love build off that performance that he had the other night against Loyola, Maryland. You want to see R.J. Davis be even more aggressive than he was the other night. Drive the basket, finish, or kick out for an open three. You want to see these guys play better than they did the other night. That's where you're at with Carolina in this game because this is one where if you do everything that you're supposed to, you should blow this team out easily. Even if you don't do everything you're supposed to, you should still win this game pretty convincingly. So this is a chance to really show that we're 
we're a team that's going to be reckoned with because we're going to take care of these mid-majors relatively easily. The biggest challenge about this game is the fact that it's a 9 o'clock tip on a Friday night in Chapel Hill. It's going to be a sleepy crowd. College kids would much rather be out on Franklin Street doing what college kids do than playing against an Ivy League school that's not going anywhere in the the regular season or in the postseason. Taking polite walks because they've cursed? Yes. Sure. So that that's that's going to be the challenge is getting getting up to play the game. The season opener is always the easiest to get up for no matter the opponent from the from a lower power from a group of 5 school because it's the season opener. Also added well, for easy, Carolina. Well, easiest early season game. Yeah. That's not it's not anywhere near Duke. Right. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. So, you know, and and in this year it was the first game under Hubert Davis and all that great stuff. There was an extra bit of excitement in the building. So now you gotta now you gotta counteract that where you're you're not gonna have a lively crowd. You're not gonna have, you know, X, Y, and Z like you normally have in in, in a home game, whether it's you know, because just because of the time. So how does Carolina create their own energy? And stuff I, like I mean, that. it may not be that bad. I mean, it is a Friday night, so you're going to have some of the older fans that'll make the trip up because the. Uh, I mean, look, are we saying the other night's crowd was great? We didn't talk about that in the recap. The crowd was, was to, underwhelming. Yes, it was. So I was trying to stay positive, though. I mean, may I maybe. I I I think there could be a decent environment there because it is a Friday night. So you'll have people that are coming up, and maybe that's an opportunity. Because, look, I mean, we were looking at it because, let's be honest, with our jobs, we're not going to get to travel up there during the week. It's, it's it's impossible. There's no way you could go to these night games during the week. Oh, oh, oh boss man doesn't know. I've got I've got a few sick days playing later in the year. You're lying. Um, But, I mean, this could be an opportunity for some people that are out of town maybe to go up and see a game on a Friday night. So maybe there's a decent crowd but, I mean, yeah, this is not going to be a conference game crowd by any stretch of the imagination. So, they'll, yeah, I mean, it, it is a later night game. Maybe they do have to get up for it. I'm not as concerned as you, though, for the energy. It's still early in the season. I feel like guys will look at this as an opportunity, too, to show out. So, I, I'm not too concerned. To me, I think I think we're on biscuit watch mm. in this one. I'm going to be real with you. I... Did think I started a new uh, a new uh, tradition yeah. midweek? Yeah, if Carolina wins on my way into work the next day, gotta go get a Bojangles biscuit. So it, it, as long as my bank account can afford it, if, if they're winning at the the rate I want them to, I think you mean to be concerned as to whether or not your insulin levels <laughs> can support that. We're gonna take a quick break. Play this week's ad from DraftKings. We'll come back. We'll give our keys to the game. Pick the game, and then we'll get out of here for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with the promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager is required, only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I hope you guys are taking a great advantage of all these great offers we've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast, the Sister podcast, the Heel Tough Blog podcast, getting over to DraftKings Sportsbook and earning some uh, great holiday spending money, betting on some NFL, high, uh, NHL, college football, college basketball, NBA games um, during this season. Let's get to our keys to the game real quick. The first thing I put down was built off the defensive effort from the first half of that Loyola game. Those first seven to eight minutes, I really felt like you got a glimpse of what Carolina can be defensively. They were bought in. They were attentive. They were moving. Their hands were active. They really dictated the the shots that Loyola got. And they were it, it created easier offense early in the game. It's a big reason why Carolina looked so much more crisp because the offense was easier because the defense was getting shots on a more consistent level. But it really comes down to defend that three-point line. They shot 35 threes. Their only chance of beating you is to take and make a lot of three-pointers. Usually the recipe is anywhere from 12 to 15. They made 10 of them. In their season opening win, but on 35 attempts, you can if, if they got to chuck 35 to 40 threes, that's fine. Just don't let them take a lot of threes. I thought, I thought Carolina did a really good job the other night, closing out strong. They got to clean up their rotations on on ball screens and stuff like that. But picking up on that effort and really dictating the the offense that Brown wants to run. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely the key. Throw multiple looks at him too, which Hubert Davis shows showed the other night. He's willing to do kind of try to confuse them a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's definitely one of the most important things that you've got to do in this game because you don't want this team to be hanging around in the way that some of the mid-majors that you played in recent years, mainly 2019, did. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident because, as you said, I, I like the way that they closed out on a lot of plays. I mean, yeah, there were some times where they were scrambling. But, I mean, look, that's going to happen from time to time. It's about limiting those moments. And the other night, it wasn't nearly as frequent as we've seen over the last couple of years. And, again, you're playing a mid-major opponent. So it's not something where you're saying, well, this that team that we saw the other night – that is not the complete product. That's yeah. not, well, that's the team. We're going to be locking in watching that same team all year. But I think in this game for sure, that that should they should be able to take care of business on the defensive end and, and, and close out on those threes and, and make it a tough night for the Browns. Second thing I got written down, get Armando Baycott going. Just 8.6 rebounds in the season opening win over Loyola. Their tallest guy is 6'8". So really all of our bigs should be able to feast on the inside on the perimeter, he's the focal point of your offense. He's the best player on your team. It You didn't need him to be great the other night, and you don't need him to be great in this game, but you want to get him going early. You don't want what happened last year where he wasn't a part of your offense at times to happen. Now, granted, does Carolina have more offense around him this year? Absolutely. But I still think Carolina will be at its absolute best when he touches the ball every possession 
and dictates what kind of shot they get going from that. So get him posted up early. Even if you got to put him on the perimeter, take a guy off the bounce. He has the ability to do that now. Let Big Mondo eat on Friday. It's a confidence thing, I think, is kind of what you're looking at. As Look, if, if Armando didn't score in this game, you could probably still win. But it's a thing about building up for those games later in the year mm. when you're going to play Purdue, where you're going to need Armando to be really, really good and yeah. ready to go, or else you're not going to win that game. So you'd like to see him kind of dominate some of these smaller opponents. I'm not going to say I was concerned the other night with him, but it wasn't his greatest performance. Let's be honest with ourselves here. So you want to see him sort of step it up in this game. I, the big thing is not even points-wise. I want to see him take over on the glass and say, look, I'm better than you Ivy League men. I'm just going to control the glass because he had six rebounds the other night. That number needs to be higher if you're going to get to the point that you want to get to this year. That was my third key for Carolina. Dominate the glass. We'll be interested to see what emphasis Brown puts on rebounding. Do they value sending their guys to get offensive rebounds as opposed to getting back and playing defense and being able to set their defense and taking Carolina out of transition, you would believe that they're going to still crash the offensive glass because that's their best offense is their second-chance offense. Carolina was not. They were good the other night in the rebounding department. They weren't great. They weren't exceptional. If there was one area more than any other, they left something to be desired. It was in the it was in the rebounding department. Only 37 to 30 rebounding margin. Only six offensive rebounds to nine second-chance points. Now, they did a good job on the defensive glass, only three offensive rebounds for Loyola, but you got to be able to set that presence. You're going to rebound the ball at a high level. They out-rebounded Elizabeth City State 49 to 28. They out-rebounded Florida by double digits in that secret in, in that secret scrimmage. Want to see that carry over and be and be a part of this team that they can count on moving forward. And I think that's definitely possible. And like I told you, I think the big thing is is as long as they're not getting beat on the defensive glass, if they're taking care, if they're letting up three to five offensive rebounds a game, which that number when you face some of these teams it's in the ACC fluctuate. will go higher. But with these mid-majors, if that's the area that you're in, I'm feeling pretty confident in what you're doing. I'm with you. I think that's one of the areas where the guy we just talked about can really thrive, and that's where he'll be able to have some success. That's, that's I think, Armando Baycott's best chance to take a step forward this year is by – becoming that guy that on the offensive glass he can rip down those offensive rebounds and finish when he has those second chance opportunities because he really couldn't do that a year ago. This is a chance for him to do that in this game. I think Carolina, you want, for me, I want to see them be as good as they were the other night on that defensive glass. If they can do that in this game, I feel very confident that they're going to be able to win this game and do so by double digits. Let's go ahead and pick the game for Carolina. They enter the game with a 94.2% chance to beat Brown according to the Basketball Power Index. Yeah, I am like I am I am out by the way on the ESPN Power Indexes at this point because how how is it only a 94%? How is this not higher? Really? Yeah. Well, when I saw that, I, I, I had to take a second a second glance. Uh, Carolina, 1-0 on the season, 0-1 against the spread. They did not cover against Loyola 
the other devastated, night. Devastated. Devastated. I've got I've got Carolina winning much more comfortably. I'm not going to go as far as you did. I don't know if Carolina gets biscuits in game number two, but I do see a wider margin of victory than what we saw against Loyola. I say biscuits. I I, I think this offense is is are you willing going to, to be are you willing themselves? to put a biscuit on if they don't get biscuits? Nah, because I'm cheap. Okay. So yeah, I mean, but I I, I think. I think they'll reach that 100-point mark in this game because I, I feel like you're playing a team that has not played a legitimate opponent in almost two years. This should be a game that you should be able to take advantage of. I think you'll probably you have a chance to be in an even better rhythm offensively than you were in the first game. And I think that you're going to see a couple other guys step up that had quiet first games, like R.J. Davis, you know, potentially even a guy like Leaky Black maybe step up as well. So I think Carolina gets to that 100-point uh, mark, and yeah, I think they, they, they will win by more than they did against Loyola, and I think it'll probably be somewhere in the 30-40 point range. I'm there, feeling pretty confident. There you go, guys. We are both predicting a Carolina win on Friday night against Brown. Of course, remember, that'll be 9 o'clock in the Dean E. Smith Center on the ACC Network. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, once you get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we'll have you covered pre and post for the Brown game. Um, I'll have a preview article up. Following the game, there will be a uh, a, a, a recap article uh, no matter the outcome, win, lose, or draw against uh, the ba- uh, the Brown Bears. Also, we'll have you covered with all the things coming out from the Pittsburgh game. Of course, that game will have already gone final as the time Carolina takes the basketball court on Friday. But Anthony had the game with ready to go with a preview. We'll have a recap and a stock report. Trench report is done until next season. But uh, we still got you covered football and basketball-wise on the heel, on the HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it, the Four Corners, and the Heel Tough, Blog, Heel Tough Blog Podcast are there. Go ahead and like both, review both, but most importantly, subscribe to both. That way you can get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.